welcome to Gradcast. Hi there, and welcome back to Gradcast. I'm your host, Cal Murphy. On this podcast, I uncover all the do's and don'ts of being an APS grad, and the tips and insights you need to know to make the most out of your grad year. Well, what a year it has been. Congrats to all the grads out there in the Australian Public Service and our other listeners of Gradcast for making it to the end of the year. We've prepared a special episode to wrap up the year, featuring some of the most insightful and fun and helpful moments from Gradcast Season 2. Before we get into it, I'd like to give a special shout out to all the guests who have appeared on our podcast throughout the year. We had Tom DeBrochado, Brianna Williams, Verinda Purcell, Aaron Botswen, Natalie Gosper, Mio Miatin Ong, Robin Edmonds, David Smith, and Kristen Bogue. This has actually been my second year of hosting the Grandcast podcast. I started hosting last year, which was during my graduate program at CSC. I actually heard about the Grandcast podcast while I was still based in Sydney. My supervisor for the graduate program told me about it and encouraged me to apply. So last year doing the podcast was really fascinating because I was sort of learning things on the go that I was able to put into practice almost straight away in my graduate program. And then finishing the graduate program at the start of this year, I transitioned into a a full-time role in the marketing team at CSC, but continued to really enjoy and value the conversations and what a privilege it has been to sit down with some really fascinating guests and just get to, to ask questions, hear their insights and wisdom. I've really loved sort of coming and having those conversations and be able to continue doing that throughout this year. And I'm really stoked to be able to sit back and reflect on some of those conversations in this episode. So let's get into it. In our first episode of 2023, episode number 16, my colleague at the time, Tom DeBrochado, and I had a conversation about starting a grad program in the APS. And we're going to listen to some clips from that episode. Well, I'm Tom. I'm from Melbourne originally and uh, moved up here for the grad program, honestly, about four days before it started. Um, <laughs> what was that like? A uh, bit of a mad rush? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess like sort of, I, I just sort of started house hunting in January, which by, you know, by any any wise person's advice is is, is poor. Sure. Okay. So you'd recommend probably starting house hunting. Yeah, yeah. A bit maybe start a bit earlier. Yep. But like, you know, I was like, what am I going to do if I move up in you know November sort of thing? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess um, there's a bit. Of yeah, we're to get another job, but you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sucks, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but I, you know, you, you're you're a prospect a pr- prospective grad man. You don't have like a lot of cash burning burning a hole sure, in your pocket. Sure. Um, yep. So four but, days before. Yeah, yeah, I made Canberra. the move. Yeah, yep. I sort of secured uh, accommodation about you know a week prior to that. Um, okay, I noticed this this grad program in Canberra yep. um, that it had uh, applications still open in like July or whatever it was, um, and I was like, you know what, throw my hat in the ring, um, let's give it a go, and it just sort of kept happening and happening, and then all of a sudden, yeah, making through the yeah the stages, yeah, yeah, yeah. made it through all these stages, yep. and all of a sudden, you know, here I am. Uh, Min, Min uh, again, the grad coordinator, he called me up after all the, you know, different stages and stuff. And it was, I remember it was like sort of later in the evening on a Friday. 
sort of coming into a grad program, I guess, a little bit later in, in life, in yeah. career, that hasn't been a problem? Like, is that something that you say, like, you know, if you're sort of further on in your career, still, like, go for a grad program? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, if it's if it's what you want to do, yeah, give it a go. Like, uh, and it's a great way. And especially why I like CSC's one was that it's only a year. Sure, yep. Right. Um, and for, you know, someone who's, you know, perhaps not, you know, got as much of their 20s left. At the time, yeah, yeah. they're all gone now. Um, yeah, it was it, that was appealing to me. I was like, "Yeah, look, let's just kind of fast track your your professional development in this sense, and 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 try and so that that, that appealed to me a lot about the CSC one. A really good thing you can do is sort of make sure that when you're when you're doing these tasks and stuff, you don't just focus on your own performance, but you also focus on trying to help people around you perform better as well. Sure, yeah, right, interacting with others, yeah, interacting. Yeah. Um, yeah, sort of, sort of, you know, just you know, big up your, your teammates. You know, don't don't be afraid to like, you know, if if you get credit for something, like also credit someone else and be like, oh no, I couldn't have done it without you know this kind of thing. And, and when you're in those activities, try and you know, yeah, sure. you know, encourage others and and, yeah. and you know help them and 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 make it make an effort to include people. I've actually sort of gone down a path that I didn't really expect. I was expecting to go down the investment operations path, but I've ended up in relationship uh, management. Um, was that somewhere you did a rotation? No, it wasn't actually. It's just it's it's yeah. a very new department, and you know I'd, I'd been told before that you know like Tom, I think you know you'd be quite suited for this sort of role. Sure. By by you know people I'd worked with, um, and then it, it cropped up, and I sort of pushed for it, and I sort of let go of this sort of investment operations dream. Um, and sort of, you know, went, you know, went for this with both hands, um, jumped in both feet, you know, to, yeah. you know, complete the quadruplet. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, it really appeals to me because there's quite a bit of like technical, uh, knowledge in terms of, uh, investment structure and, and, and knowledge type of thing. And then there's also what I like the, the people facing part of it. In our discussion, Tom shared light on a, a few different stages of the graduate process from i guess even before starting the program to the discovery of the opportunities um, particularly an opportunity late in his career uh, to the application process and then doing the grad program and what comes out afterwards and opportunities that can come up which are completely unexpected but can in the end be really really great opportunities Uh, Another great takeaway from that was just how important collaborating in teams is to being successful in a graduate program. In episode 17, I sat down with TikTok sensation BreeJean198, otherwise known as Brianna Williams. From her journey through various roles to her insider knowledge on graduate recruitment, Bree brought a fresh perspective to navigating the APS. Now, a lot of your content is very, like, I guess, insider knowledge in terms of Canberra and particularly the APS. Yes. Um, so that, you have a background in the APS? I, I do. Otherwise, I'm not allowed on here. No, I'm joking. Um, no. <laughs> but no, I, I am from – I do – I'm Canberra-born and bred yep. fundamentally. And my philosophy is the town you grow up on is, like, we're kind of like when you're in a farm town, even though we are bush capital, but when you're in a farm town, you grow up to become a farmer. Sometimes you might 
break away from that. But typically that's the trajectory, right? And it's the same sort of philosophy here in Canberra. You grow up in Canberra, at some point in your life, you will become a public servant. Sure, it's sort of your destiny in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not not your chosen destiny, but like sometimes (laughs) it is. Sometimes the work you want to do is to help people and the APS is definitely an area that helps people. It might not feel like that sometimes, but ultimately, yeah. That's, so, yes, I have dabbled in the APS yep. and um, I have learnt a lot coming from the APS. Sure. Which I am no, no, no longer part of. So, Bree, you were in the public service and when you worked in the APS, you mm. did a bit of um, recruiting. Correct. Um, worked in the recruiting space. Uh, recruitment admin, but yes. Sure. Yeah. Um, we, I guess, have a lot of grads who listen who, yeah. Are, Aptly so, named. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any sort of um, things which maybe grads wouldn't know, but you know sort of from the recruiter perspective, which might be helpful? Yeah. So I I came into the recruiter space as a contractor. Yep. As like, um, and that is a good way to get into the APS sometimes mm. is just to become an, a contractor. Sure. Um, but I'd come directly from the APS from that. And I came in halfway through the recruitment process for grads, um, specifically for the Department of Infrastructure and Regional Development, which doesn't have an acronym, which is very frustrating. Um, and my experience there was how many like hoops they had to put in place just to dwindle down to the grads. There's a lot of great incentives to become a public servant, therefore that attracts a lot of grads. And so you've got to dwindle that down, right? So the best way to dwindle that down is to create obstacles. And so those obstacles include filling out selection criteria. That includes a psychometric testing. From my perspective, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the department, and that should always be noted, I never speak on the behalf of the department. It's from what I observed, yep. is that they are just trying to find things to split you guys apart. Mm. Honest, and, yep. and grads get so upset if they don't get into the into the grad position they want and you, and they want feedback immediately. They're like, can I have feedback on what I did wrong? And ultimately, they did nothing wrong. Sure. It was just because like they like they might have come across as not as very collaborative as the next person. So That's is it my- just yeah, okay, is it just a numbers game then or are there ways not, to improve like- um I guess if you do multiple applications you improve as you go. Oh, absolutely. Always yep. apply like I think I watched one of your TikToks recently where it was like Tom, I think his name was. Was it yeah, Tom? That's right. And he applied for. I was yep. like, I was like, what a rogue human, just applying to one. I was like, Jesus. Um, but what I have learned as well from friends yep. is that they apply. They have their dream departments, mm. and then they apply to other departments because it's the same philosophy as university. Yep. If you can't get into the department you want initially, get into any department, and then you have the opportunity to frog leap and yep. get into the department you want. Because once you're in the system, you're in the system. Sure, it's a lot easier to transfer than it is to leave and then come back. Are there things that grads can also do um, or anyone sort of wanting to work in the public service to understand themselves more, which might be helpful for um, careers or sort of understanding where they can I think this I think this taps more into the work I'm currently doing more than, yeah, than sure. what's in. I think it's understanding what sort of person you are in the workforce. And that comes really hard when you've gone to university and then go directly to the workforce. It's sure. really hard. Um, but there is certain like things out there, such as the five voices, um, yep. a disc profile, um, all these sort of things to help you understand how you are as a person and help you mm. use buzzwords that yeah. help the recruiters. Sure. Because they might be like, oh, because there's, there's a ways of like saying like, I'm a 
connector, I'm a pioneer, I'm a helper, those sort of words, there is a whole different language when it comes to recruiting that I don't think gets spoken about. And it's an art form. It's not something that you naturally know. It's a whole different language. They even have flashcards in there. To Like my aunt gave me flashcards who was in the industry for over 30 years of how to speak like an APS person. Yeah, okay. And it was like, that's how we built my selection criteria and how I applied for my job. Yeah, okay. So, so it's yeah. more than just knowing the acronyms, but actually sort of talking the talk. Understanding the, the lingo, understanding yeah. how to write a selection criteria answer. Yeah, sure. It's not yeah. an essay. It's a 500-word paragraph. Yeah, yeah. And, but then relating it back. So, sure. yeah, it's a whole science. Yeah, okay. Bree mentioned some great insights on what happens behind the scenes in graduate recruitment. And her tips such as broadening your application scope beyond just your dream department, understanding what kind of employee you are, and learning how to use APS-specific acronyms were particularly insightful. In episode number 19, we tackled a common misconception about grad programs. Do you really need to pack up and move to Canberra to kickstart your career in the public sector? And to find answers to that question, we talk to graduates from the Australian Pesticides and Veterinary Medicines Authority, APVMA, who are based in Armidale, New South Wales. You've sort of done, I guess, uh, a bit in a sense, the, the reverse of a normal like public servants often sort of move from a regional area to start working in Canberra for the public service. But you actually moved from Canberra to a regional area to be working for the public service. Um, what was that like and how did that sort of come about? <laughs> yeah, I did do the opposite, didn't I? Um, that was, uh, I've, I've wanted to work for the APVMA for quite a long time, so it's kind of a dream come true. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> um, I just find the work really interesting, so um, that's, that's really nice to be able to actually be involved in that. Rinda, what do you think is, I guess, special about the APVMA being based in Armadale and what, I guess, unique opportunities does that provide? Um, yeah, I would second Erin in saying that it's nice that things are cheaper here. Okay, <laughs> and sure. They're not yep. as expensive in, um, in Canberra as they are in Sydney, but they still can get up there at times. So um, I had have enjoyed being able to rent an entire house when I got here <laughs> instead of just a one-bedroom yeah, flat like I was in in Canberra. Uh, and Erin, you're originally from Sydney, mm-hmm. so you, I guess, skipped the the Canberra part of the public service altogether. Uh, what was I the did. the sort of move? Yeah, what was the the story? I guess behind yeah, like moving from Sydney to Armadale. What was that like? How is it? Um, it it was really good. When I sort of was coming to the end of my PhD, I realised I didn't want to do academia anymore, and the public service was a really good option for me um, and when I heard about the APVMA and looked at some research about what what they did, I thought that would be a really good place to work um, and in a way it being in Armadale was an added bonus for me because I kind of wanted to get out of Sydney because Sydney is ridiculously expensive. Canberra would have worked would have been happy living in Canberra, but Armadale was sort of, in some ways, just that little bit better. I really like not having the rat race mentality that Sydney has, which mm. is good. I love yep. not having to travel over an hour to go to work every day. I can just walk to work and it's great. 
Um, and, you know, I've um, managed to make some really good friends here, uh, a decent social life. Um, and so my life is really not that different to what it was like in Sydney. <laughs> the, the experience of a lot of people moving to a city like Armadale would be moving to a sort of smaller city than where they're from. Mm. But actually that wasn't the case for you, was it? Because I guess moving from parks in New South Wales, it was actually moving to a, a yeah. bigger city. What was that experience like? Yeah, that's right. Um, so Armadale is probably um, double the size of, of parks roughly. Um, for sure. So for us, it was, I always term it um, a bit of an upgrade, um, not in terms yep. of the quality of, of the town, but I guess the um, the, the resources and obviously the population and just the, yeah, what what's available um, to you, um, as well as the lifestyle, I guess, just offering a little bit more kind of on the social side and that type of thing. Um, but, yeah, um, it was a, a good jump and in the right time for us. Obviously, we were looking at my, my partner and I, so he's a, a country boy, um, and um, it was, I guess, a suitable kind of size transition for him to kind of move here as well um, in that respect. Um, but, yeah, we were really happy to kind of make that jump. So for us it was, yeah, a really positive thing. Uh, we weren't losing out in any way. Um, yeah, we were kind of gaining – getting more by moving to a slightly bigger center. Yeah. How do you find the experience of working in the public service um, and particularly working in the public service in a regional area? Sure. Um, I guess for the second part of that question, working in the public service in a regional area, I don't really know any different um, sure. because it's obviously the only kind of public service job that, that I've held has been here. It's um, everything I expected um, and more. And it, I think the, the relocation of my agency um, around the time that I undertook the grad program was just really good timing for me. Um, and obviously it was a, a time of transition for the agency, but it kind of melded really well with, yeah, I guess my transition from private industry and that kind of role to, to more of the government role. And um, yeah, just really good timing. Our chat with the APVMA grads based in Armadale, New South Wales, uh, I think successfully debunked some of the myths that you need to move to Canberra to start your grad program. They experienced the perks of lower living costs, uh, more balanced lifestyle, and a really vibrant community, uh, while still being able to stay plugged into the wider APS network. In episode number 20, Mio Myat Hin Ong, a current graduate at CSC, shared the learnings that he gained from his rotation in the CSE risk team. I guess, yeah, what was the journey that led you up to starting your grad program? What were you doing last year before joining the CSE grad program? Right, so before joining CSE, I did two uh, work integrated learning courses at uni. So I did a marketing strategy analyst intern, and I also did a consulting project. Uh, both of which are located in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, which is where I did my study. Nice. Um, and what made you want to choose CSC as a place to do your grad program? There are a couple of reasons. Uh, the first mainly is because of the fact that CSC actually is an international student like myself, yep. which is really rare, especially within the APS world. Yeah. Uh, secondly is the fact that CSE have a long history of 100 years. Uh, this speaks to their stability and reputation as a superannuation company. And what really struck to me during the application process was the fact that uh, they have shown a really big willingness to embrace new changes and evolve with time. And I was really appreciate the fact that they're looking for people with new opinion and perspective. Mm. And most importantly, it's, just, it's simply because of the fact that it's in the public sector. 
right? It's not just about the bottom line. It's not just about the profit. Uh, I was happy to be able to contribute to something that is greater than you know money. As you've mentioned already, you're doing a rotation in the risk team. Uh, why do you want to pick that as a rotation? Well, to be honest, when I first joined CSC, risk was not on my radar. But then I talked to the 2022 grad, including yourself. Yeah. Um, and you all have really good things to say about the rotation. And that's when I reached out to the senior manager yeah. of the risk team. And we had a really good conversation there as well. And that's when I learned that risk rotation could be extremely beneficial to my learning because the team collaborate with a lot of um, business units across the organization. This exposure to different areas can give me the opportunity to work with people from different backgrounds, ranging from customer, finance, tax, and so on, and allow me to get a good understanding of how the company and the industry work, uh, which is extremely helpful for my own professional development and growth, especially since I have almost no knowledge of superannuation before I started working at CSE. And on top of that, risk in general uh, is something that's applicable everywhere. Uh, since every decision we make at the work carry a level of inherent risk, um, having this experience can be highly valuable to anyone uh, down, their uh, down their career in the future. Uh, what have been some of the, the things that you've learned that have been really interesting as you joined the risk team? Well, mainly it's just the fact that, um, uh, mainly it's about the risk risk model. Uh, so, so this is the three lines of defense model that I learned, which is the risk management framework that we use at CSC. It outlines the responsibility of various stakeholders. I have also learned uh, about the fraud triangle, which is extremely interesting because the model explains why people commit fraud. According to the model, there are three main factors. The first is opportunity. There is a chance, a weakness in the system for them to commit fraud. The second is rationalization, which is essentially how they justify it, usually by blaming it on other people. Third line will be motivation, meaning there is a pressure, usually financial reason to commit fraud. According to the model, when all three factors exist, it significantly increases the likelihood for someone to commit fraud. So if, if we do an environmental scan in times where it is likely for three, all, all three factors uh, to exist, we have to be extremely careful uh, because that's where risks thrive. Mio's choice of CSC for its reputation and its inclusivity. Coupled with his hands-on experience in risk culture and fraud prevention, underscores the APS's commitment to integrity and stability. In episode number 22, I was joined by Robin Edmonds and David Smith to discuss current strategies undertaken by the APS to create supportive workplaces for neurodiverse individuals. Uh, now for our Gradcast listeners, um, it's possible we may not have heard the term neurodiversity until today, so it might be good to start by defining what that means. Robin, how would you describe neurodiversity? Now, I just want to make, of course, a usual disclaimer. This is very much a definition that is live at the moment. But when we talk about neurodiversity, we are talking about the range of differences in individual brain function and behavioral traits that are regarded as part of normal variation in the human population. So neurodiversity is a term refers to the full range of differences and how we all process information differently. Neurodivergence specifically refers to those who do identify with a particular neurological subtype. So that may include autism, ADHD or ADD, uh, dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, and, and many others as this conversation evolves. So yeah, please note this isn't an exhaustive definition, but hopefully a helpful starting point. <laughs> Thanks, Robin. David, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, my, from my perspective, it's a, um, it's a new term, um, but it's looking at the strengths or 
rather than looking at the medical model of disability that somebody has a condition or a problem, it's looking at the social model of you know, what are individual strengths and how do we remove barriers so they can play to their strengths. So it's a living new term. So there's no probably standard definition yet. And every department that's looking at neurodiversity hiring programs um, will have their idea of what they're considering. But um, it, I think it's a good uh, growth from just being an autism focus. I think having the flexibility to let people do things in the way that suits them and their working styles is, you know, that's the next step of inclusion and flexibility for the APS. I think that is so important. Yeah. So some of the, um, I suppose, other reasonable adjustments that a grad might want um, when they're applying for a grad program, um, really simple reasonable adjustment might be, can I have the interview questions in advance of my interview? Um, Can I... Um, have an advocate sit next to me during my interview. Um, might be, you know, once you've started work, can you vary your hours of work? Can you start a little bit later? Um, some of our clients might um, need to do reduced hours to scaffold into work that they might do Monday, Tuesday, have Wednesday off to recover and do Thursday, Friday, and they might do that for two months and then scaffold up um, from, you know, maybe they're doing six hours a day for four days and then six hours for five days, or just scaffolding towards um, full-time. Just some of the things that the APS will offer um, if you ask. Robin and David highlighted the importance, but also some of the nuances of neurodiversity in the workplace. David's commitment to recruiting neurodiverse individuals uh, and the implementation of innovative programs show tangible steps towards inclusivity. Uh, And if you go back and, and listen to that episode... A lot of the things that Robin and David talked about, including things like reasonable adjustments in the APS, show that the APS is starting to take a proactive approach to understanding and accommodating neurodiverse staff. Finally, the Gradcast Live event held on the 10th of October marked a milestone for Gradcast as we recorded this in front of some of you, our listeners, for the very first time. In episodes 23 and 24, I had the pleasure to be joined by Kristen Bowick from the APS Academy to discuss what APS grants and junior APS staff need to know about the future of the APS. I think what we're seeing more and more is that shift away from skills to mindsets. And we talked a little bit before about, well, what does that mean? Um, So... I know that um, in the academy, we're always looking for that curiosity mindset. So people that are, you know, seeking out, uh, seeking out information and new ways of doing things and and eager to learn. So with that mindset uh, of curiosity, there also comes a learning agility. Um, So, and then some people say the only real skill you need is the ability to learn, so learn how to learn, uh, and then you'll be you'll be able to pick up any skill. Um, so I guess when we talk about mindsets, it's the it's the learning agility, it's the um, growth mindset, and I think what's going to be really important is the ability of um, employees to collaborate, to collaborate across networks, build relationships, because it's going to be. Uh, more of the high-performing performing team that is going to achieve things rather than the individual. 
The APS Academy is a network hub of learning and development. So we work with across the APS and with industry partners to build the capability and performance of the APS workforce. So for example, some of those big agencies like the Australian Tax Office, they have a huge team of learning and development pre professionals and they develop really high quality learning, not only programs, but they have other initiatives and resources and tools. And the APS Academy looks to how do we share this across the service? So we're actually curators in one way. So we're looking at what's best practice in terms of learning and development and resources across the public service and making it more accessible to, to everyone who works in the public service. So um, I guess that if you're currently a grad or looking to be a grad, uh, this is really exciting that we, we will invest in your development. Uh, those were just some of the key insights that we heard at Grandcast Live. And I encourage you to listen to the full episodes to not miss out on all the other valuable insights that we discussed in those episodes. Well, that is it for Grandcast in 2023. A big thank you to each and every guest for giving up their time to talk to us. I'd like to give our behind-the-scenes production team from Content Group a big shout-out and a big round of applause to CSC, the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation, for sponsoring the podcast again this year. Have a safe and joyful Christmas and holiday season, and best of luck with your grand journey if you are starting yours in 2024. Make sure to follow the Grandcast page on LinkedIn, Instagram, and TikTok for more Gradcast content. I'm your host, Callum Irving. And this has been Gradcast Season 2.